Tim Kiefer, MIBTonline.com. Welcome to our Wednesday night meeting. I want to thank everybody for taking some opportunity or taking the opportunity here to join us tonight to talk some football in season. We know everybody's working, so to take some time, I mentioned this last week, to take some time out to get better. We appreciate that. We appreciate you. We appreciate your subscription. Uh, we hope you can continue, continue to spread the word for us, to let, you know, let people know that we're out here. We're going to keep doing meetings for a little while. We're going to probably, uh, <laughs> we're going to probably tighten some things up here or, or, or shut some things down and, and, uh, from the football side here in a couple weeks. But we'll do a playoff meeting and we'll get everybody ready. But we'll see. Maybe we'll keep going and uh, see what the feedback's like. The, the attendance has been pretty good. We've been averaging about 20 to 25 people per, per live meeting. So if we can keep that up, then maybe we'll keep going. We'll see what you want out there in subscriber land and uh, keep talking football. So uh, like, I get, like I said, I appreciate you being here and taking some time. So these meetings go pretty fast. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's get to what we're talking about tonight. I know everybody wants to. So the meeting agenda, you know, we talk announcements a lot, you know, where, where I go through stuff, they're all the same. So. Bill Amani videos there, meetings at 7.30, blah, blah, blah. So we're just going to go to the play of the week from last week. We're going to do some play situations that uh, happened, that have happened, one that specifically happened to me. Vid time. I kept calling it film. I don't know who, who uses film anymore. You know, reel to reel? I mean, come on, give me a break. So vid time. We're going we're gonna to change the name to vid time because it's really, it's video. Um, play of the week for... Uh, so we're going to review the play of the week first from last week, but then we'll have the play of the week for this week. So there it is. It's ready to go. But before we get to that, I want to bring in our crew. Now, unfortunately, we don't have Bill Lamagne with us tonight. That's okay. It's, we can get by. But we do have everybody else. And there he is. Mike Billica is with us. Mike, how are you, how, how are you doing this evening? Before you talk, let me make sure I turn you on. Make sure your mic is on. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's so good to be here. You know, I have, I have, we have a regular high school association meeting on Tuesday nights, coming right out of that to this meeting on Wednesday nights. You know, can't be better. Talking football every night. Oh, I appreciate uh, you taking some time to be with us and, and, and share your knowledge as well. We also have Mr. Robert Yabara, and I'm going to throw up the text line because Mr. Robert Yabara is with us, and he's manning that text line and the chat line tonight. Robert, how are you today? I'm doing great. In the absence of Bill Lemagne today, I'm going to challenge all members, all viewers to bring a golden nugget. So let's have a couple of golden nuggets in Bill's honor tonight as we get through these vid videos. <laughs> exactly. The vids. Let's go to the vids. So uh, without further ado, as I say, all right, we're going to go wide on this. This is our play of the week from last week. I'm going to play it. We'll break it down a little bit more, but I'm going to just play it through here real quick. And then we're going to go to the results. So if you remember, it was this sweep to the or run to the left, I should say, not a sweep, but it was a run to the left, gets close to the sideline, and the question came, was that a fumble or was the player down? So the results, fumble or down? There was 65% said fumble, 35% said down. So that's that's our, our, our take in a nutshell of what the, the Twitter... I want to say that, like the Twitter poll said, some people emailed me some stuff. So it's still very similar, but I'm going to go to the video itself right now so we can kind of break it down piece by piece. So let's go wide on the video. 
because where it's located, I am going to pull the text number down just for now. We'll get the text number back up in a second. But all right, so you, you saw the video, you saw the results. Let's walk through this step by step and see what we've got. Now, I told I never slow mode it for anybody. I always kind of kept it, um, you know, what do you want to say? Like I kept it regular speed because you get regular, you only get regular speed at you know when you're out in the game. But we're going to slow things down now just for practical and learning purposes. So right here, we all, well, it jumped ahead of me. So let's go back. All right. So right, it keeps jumping. Let's try this again. Here we go. All right, right here. Let's look at where all our officials are at, okay? Now, this was a seven-person game, but we're going to pretend that it was only five because most of our games only have five officials. So we're going to just pretend that we don't see the, that extra official. We're going to pretend they're not there. They're not in the view, which is good because it's what's going to help us is that. So here's your back judge coming across the top. This is your back judge's view. This is your line judge's view. And now you have an umpire. That's your umpire's view. So we really do kind of have this encircled. The only potential possibility of, of missing something is actually where a field judge would be. Maybe coming in from this way, you might not get exactly what you need to see because we don't have an official there. But for the most part, this play is, is completely encircled, boxed in, however you want to call it. So when you run it through, you have to ask yourself, when do we have a fumble? When do we decide if, if a ball player has lost possession? I, I actually look at it the other way. You, my philosophy, and, and I know Bill Lamani, and actually Bill and I discussed this play on the best practices, so if you want to hear Bill's take on it, you can go and watch that. But the, my philosophy has always been that you have to, I have to see something that proves that the runner is down with possession of the ball. That if I don't see leather, possession, and down, I don't have a whistle. I don't care if it's literally right in front of me. If I don't see leather, I might know. I might know without, you know, all my instincts and my football IQ says that player's got the ball and he's clearly down and he's literally right in front of me. If I don't see leather, I don't see possession, and I don't see a, a, you know, a body part down, I am not blowing my whistle. So going back to the play, which I, that's what I, everybody should do that. I don't, you know, we don't need whistles on a down. We need whistles when we know it is down. Okay, so that's a, it's a very important point. So going back to the, to the play, at this point, if I walk it through, it's kind of jumping on me. I apologize for that. But if you walk it through, I actually don't know how this official can see this. Because he's looking through the back, okay? So the official's looking through the back. If I'm that official, I mean, I'm not. This is a tough call for me. Because, I mean, right here, you can see it looks like there's green under here. And you can see that the ball is... You know, the, it seems to be out because you've got a hand here and a hand here, and I think like that's the ball. So it's like you, you've got the ball potentially being out and the runner not being down. Our back judge, it looks like he, that our back judge might have 
the best view looking across at this because he's coming in like this and he might have an opening but maybe not because if the ball is right here maybe he's screened by this player right here and unfortunately our umpire is looking through all this traffic and might not get a good view of it so my point once again is that if you don't see something that tells you 100% that that is a fumble, or I'm sorry, that that runner is down, that you don't see leather, a body part down in possession, then you should default to a fumble. And this is a change in philosophy because they, a long, long time ago, they said no cheap turnovers. And we still agree, no cheap turnovers. But if most of the time, believe it or not, we're actually wrong. It's more times a fumble than it is not a fumble. So they've kind of changed the philosophy and said when in doubt it's a fumble, not when in doubt he's down. So it's kind of an important piece because I think on that, this play I would have had doubt, and I know we just walked through frame by frame and we don't have that opportunity out on the field. I am most likely going fumble on this one. If I'm the officials, that is my thought on that play. And that's how I would break it down. And that's how I would want you as the official out there to break it down when you're doing the game. Now, that being said, two officials on this marked it down. If they have definitive knowledge and they know, they saw that possession, they saw that body part down, and they know that leather, that they had that leather, boom, then they're right. They made the call, they're there, they make the call. So I want to, uh, I'm gonna throw the text number back up here real quick because I'm sure we've got some some comments on this and and I'm, I'm I want to hear your comments let me know what you think I mean it wasn't 50 50 it was more like like 70 30 60 40 it was in between that so I do want to hear your comments but I'm gonna start with Mike first mm-hmm. Mike plays like this you know the philosophy was well one time you no know, you know when he fumble down you go down if there's a doubt but now it's kind of the other way around yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I do remember the change, but um, somebody went through the analytics and looked at every time the runner was going down at about the same time that the ball came out. It was well over 90% of the time it was a fumble. So we don't have replay, so we need philosophies like this. And given the, the odds, um, we, we do need to go with a fumble on the runner going down and the ball coming out at about the same time. We, we would assume he's losing control as he's going to the ground. Right, and once again, like I said, we're looking at it you know, years a year later or whatever it might be, but it's just good to talk the philosophy on how to walk through a play like this. And like I said, the official, I'll go with the official's ruling, even though I personally think it was a fumble, but hey, the official's there, and if, they, if I walk up to the official and they could tell me, this is why. This is why I rule the fumble, because I saw, saw, saw. Great. That's what you saw, and maybe the film might not 100% support you, but you were 100% on the field, and that's why you ruled it, and you just your judgment kind of sent you down the wrong path that day. Oh, well, I guess it did, but at least you know why you did. You're not just guessing. You're not just assuming. You're not becoming complacent when you make a call like that. All right, Robert, your turn. Robert, let me know what people out there are saying and what they're thinking or anybody disagrees, has different comments. What do you got? No, I, most people are in agreement, you know, as far as, um, you know, there's there's no reason to blow your whistles, you know, because from my commentary, 
being a running back, you know, I always I was always taught to maintain possession, right? Why leave the judgment to the officials to determine if you lose possession? You know, the the, the runner has to take accountability for for that ball being possessed. So, you know, if, if a coach ever argues to say he was down, he was down, you know, an easy response is, well, he he yeah, he was down without possession of the ball. He he didn't come, he didn't hand me the ball and he didn't maintain possession of the ball. And so that's that's why we allow the play to evolve, right? We don't yeah. have quick whistles. The officials uh, that are commenting commenting on this, they thought that the back judge came in really hard and adamantly on this play. I guess I didn't focus in on the back judge so much, but could you replay it, Tim, for us to see if the back judge was trying to sell something here? Well, uh, yeah, give me a second here. Of course, I got ready for the next play, but uh, no. Sorry me, about that. No, that's all right. Let me, let me, uh, let me get that one up here again. It'll and, only and take bring, a matter. Why you bring that up? It, why you bring a, that up? No, take a okay. moment. I have another comment on that. You okay. know, sometimes when when you hear a whistle from a crewmate, right, and you have a bang bang situation where, you know, was the player down? Was it actually a fumble before the ball was dead? And and you have a crewmate blowing a whistle. When you have a situation like that, I have been, unfortunately, in experiences in that case. And when there's an opportunity to sell that the player's down, Tim, I think we even had it in a state final case. But needless to say, yeah. when you have an opportunity to sell that a player's down, you go with that You because you're a crew, right? If it's a 50-50, sad to say, and, and then you remind your crewmate uh, before the next down or play, you know, see leather. And we all need to be reminded of that. It's it's we're human. My goodness, I'm not trying to bring up any negative examples here. I'm just saying if we have an adamant official that's coming in hard to sell that the ball is in fact down, he may be doing that or she may be doing that because she or he may have heard a whistle from a crewmate on a 50-50 play. That's all I'm saying. Well, I'll I'll show the play again. And I'm going to comment on that, and and that's a really good point. Here's the play again. So the question was about the back judge. Just let it run out. You know, he's, the back judge comes in, but it's already after the line judge is ruling it down, and he does point. Well, he is pointing. He is pointing down. The back judge is pointing down. He's after pointing he gives down. The kill. But yeah. you know, it's. But my question, once again, is like, like I said, if you know the call, you make the call. Yeah, it's just that that seems like a tough call from from the back judge. But if he's got it, he's got it. I mean, and then he sells it. But to your point, I want to go to to your point specifically that. I had a very similar situation in a state final game myself where I knew a play was was uh, incomplete and it was, or I'm sorry, that it was a catch, but it was ruled incomplete and I helped my buddy and I came over and I, and I sold it. And this was a long time ago, by the way. Um, and, I, and I tried to help him sell it because I'm like, there's no way that that was an incomplete pass, but you're already ruling it incomplete. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to help you out. And yeah. that was ta I talked to like guys like Bill Amanye and other people, you know, other mentors of mine, and they're like, no, don't don't do that because now, on a play like this, you, you, that that back judge might have been 100% correct in his mind, and he could have gotten it right, or he could be now we're questioning that because he was just helping his buddy, and now we're like, did you really have him down? And so that's where you do. You do have to be be careful. Now, there are times like, for example, another good one. That that's a, that's more of a judgment. But like forward progress, 
If you got forward progress and somebody blows their whistle, forward progress is dead. So even if you disagreed with it as the official on the other side, coming in and selling it as being down or something, that's fine. You know, there's a, there's a little kind of a gray area there because he's down anyway. So you want to go in and, and, and help your buddy and sell it, but you might not have had him down. Well, he's down. They blew the whistle. You're just marking forward progress. So you know, sometimes you can't help help your buddies. I saw you, you, you typing over there, Robert. Was there another comment? Yeah, uh, Brian from Alaska made a great point, and that is in this particular case play, the one that we're reviewing, the offense is retaining possession of the ball, right? Despite him being down or it was loose, the ball still goes out of bounds, and it was not clearly – there was no change of possession. So in this particular case study, it, it's great to learn from because the offense did not – you know, depending on where you – know, he marked it down – at that spot where it is, but they still can maintain possession. So that's a great point by Brian. No, that, that, that is a good point. And that, it's funny because I even said in the play of the week, I don't care what the officials ruled. And I know we kind of talked a little bit about the officials, but more about our positioning in re- relative to what they were positioned, how we would basically like to instruct this or try to get ourselves in the best position to rule on this. And we've talked a lot about this lately in the last few weeks about knowing why you called something. Not just calling it, but knowing why. And if you, like I said earlier, if you're that back judge or you're that line judge and you saw possession and leather and a body part other than a foot or hand down and you saw it and you ruled it, and now we go back to film, we go frame by frame, and maybe it was out. But you ruled it based off of that because you saw it, not because you thought it. And that's the most important part of this is that when we, we call what we see, we see what we call. And when you go out there to work your games, if you take that, that nugget that I'm going to call what I see and see what I call, then a situation like this, if it ends up going a fumble, and it shows on the film frame by frame, it, was, it wasn't, it doesn't matter. You ruled on what you saw. And that's, I think that's the important point. Yes, Robert, go ahead. Yeah, I, I do have one last play. And, and Howie Hughes, thank you for, for bringing this up and reminding us. We, we had a How, uh, state final crew together uh, with East St. Louis uh, playing, playing a team from Prairie Ridge in a state final. And there was a, a loose ball near the sideline and uh, the ball was bouncing near the sideline where a defender came in sliding, trying to possess it. Oh, yeah, we showed this play here, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and and what, what a great nugget and takeaway from that play experience is we came together, those of us who wanted to come together, came together as a crew. Uh, at least it was the, um, uh, the referee and I, uh, the back judge, and, and, and we, did, we did talk through it. And so we had uh, live TV commentators were commenting on how we were our own replay crew and they loved seeing us talk about it to get it right. And of course they were going through the replays for the public to see, but during the game and on the field, the coaches accepted the decision because they knew we were talking about it. We came together, we discussed it, we conferred. And they were able to, you know, live with that decision because it was a crude decision. And I think that's another nugget 
because when you come together as a crew, you talk it out. At least the coaches know you didn't leave anything to chance. You know, you you True. gave you gave yeah. your best due diligence on getting at the call right on the field. No, I think that's a really good point. And when we need to do that, we should do that. And so um, we're going to move on to uh, our, our play situation that I had happened uh, to me here this, uh, this past. Uh, well, it's not a video play, okay? So I'll just, I'll just go through it. And this is what unfortunately happened to me working, you know, working a game. Um, and this is the importance, you know, in some states you get to work together with the same crew and that's nice. You, you actually have the same five guys work together pretty much all the, all the, the whole season in other states and other parts of the country, you, you work with individuals in, in other parts. It's a hybrid of that. You get some of the guys you work with, some of the guys are not. And so, so when you walk out on a field and you're not, you've never really worked with anybody or this particular person before, and then somebody says they're not familiar with the position or this or that, um, it then can create some issues. And we had, we had something that I had something that happened to me this weekend and this Friday, last Friday night. Set up the situation for you. It is third down, third down with over a minute to go in the quarter. Um, I know, I think it, it was, I, I can't tell you the exact time, but it was just over a minute to go. The team that has the ball is up three points, and they have the ball right around their 30, or the, their opponent's 35-yard line going in. So we're going in. So we're not quite in field goal range, but we're not quite in punt. We're quite out of, might be out of punt range, too. So we're kind of in that no-man's land. And so it's third down. They run the ball to me. I'm the, I'm the headlinesman. Line, line of scrimmage, the ball comes to me, and there's a big pile right in front of me. And so this has been kind of a contentious game, and the, my team was the one that was losing. And I had heard them in the previous timeout, which was the last timeout that they had, that the defense had, tell their players to try to punch, punch the ball, punch the ball. Okay, which fine, you understand why. So now this player's going to the ground, and he's getting punched. Now, they're going for the ball. They're not punching him. They are going for the ball. But let's just say it was already a contentious game, so I got to get to that pile and make sure no nothing bad happens. So as I'm doing that, uh, I'm I'm getting the pile off. I see one of the offensive players. They grab their hamstring, and I go, "Do you want me to call a timeout for you? Because if you're injured right now, this is really bad for you." He goes, "No, no, no. I'm fine. I'm going to get up. I'm going to the huddle." And he did. He kind of rubbed his he rubbed his uh, his hamstring for a second. He gets up. And he heads to the huddle. I come back to the line of scrimmage. To, and then I, at this particular point is when I glance at the clock. Now we talk about clock awareness here and knowing what the clock is, especially at the end of the game when it matters. And I didn't look at the clock. I had some other stuff going on. And I was hoping that I had four other officials that would have glanced up at the clock. Referee was looking right at it. You had a line judge who had nothing going on on their side. Back judge had the clock behind him. Umpire was, was coming in to help out, so give the, give the umpire a little bit of a pass. But I, don't, I didn't see what the clock was. But the clock was running, obviously. So when I did get to the clock, it was in the 30s, like low 30s. And so I'm going through my head thinking how much, just trying to do my math in my head, how much time should be left when 
the fourth down play is going to happen. And the, the, the offensive team does have a timeout. So you think, okay, they're going to let the clock run all the way down. They're going to take the timeout or take a delay game because they're in that no, no man's land there. Personally, I could see the coach getting ready to take a timeout. So I tell my coach, he's going to take a timeout. We're just waiting for the back judge to put his hand in the air. Well, it gets to 20 seconds. It gets to 15 seconds. It gets to 10 seconds. It gets to 5 seconds. No back judge. Back judge. Game over. And I'm standing there. And I'm, I didn't know what to do. Because my heart of hearts, my gut, my instincts told me that there should have been way more time. But I went to the back judge and I said, you had 40 seconds there. He goes, yeah, when the ball was ready, it was 38. Now, it didn't make sense to me. Or he said, he didn't say that exactly. He said, no, there was 38 on the clock. I'll, I want to get to that statement in just a second. Ball was ready. I want to get back to that. But when he said, he goes, there was 38. I looked, there was 38. Okay, so I didn't have definitive knowledge, unfortunately, at that particular point to say, no, you're wrong. It was down at 101 or 59 or 50. I just didn't have it. And we always, talk, we always teach you here, we always talk about it, is that you don't come in with an I think. You have to come in with an I know. You either know, you don't have a gut feeling, or you know I have information that will save, help, this or that. I didn't have that information, even though I knew in my, my heart of hearts, my gut of gut, that something wasn't wrong, was wrong here. But the referee didn't say anything. The line judge doesn't say anything. Nobody else says anything. So the game's over. Obviously, one of the teams is livid. They thought they should have another, there should have been another play. So we get to the locker room. And I asked the back judge again. I said, you really had that down at 38 seconds? He goes, well, well no. When the ball was ready for play, there was 38 seconds. I go, what do you mean ready for play? Well, when after that player was done getting off the ground and, and the referee put the ball back down on the ground, when he set it on the ready, there was 38 seconds. And I said, you know that's not the rule, right? He goes, what do you mean that's not the rule? I go, no, the rule is, is when the player is down, the 40 second starts. And this is what he said to me. Well, I'm not a back judge. I shouldn't have been working back judge. Oh, well, I screwed up. You know, I'm a, uh, I'm a calm guy normally. I don't get too excited. Um, I wanted to take my shoe and throw it across the room and like just be like, what, what, what's going on, man? I felt bad. I felt terrible the whole weekend about this because even though I had a gut feeling, I didn't, I didn't step up. I wanted to step up, but I didn't step up. So I don't know if I would have done it next time. I think, you know, after hindsight, there's a couple different things I could have done. One of the things there was a timeout. We could have gone back to a timeout and said, well, wait a minute. If the timeout was here with this amount of time, there's absolutely no possible way you could have had this much time. So there's a, that's why writing down the timeout times are good or other intervals. You know, going back at, in hindsight, you can, always, you can always do better. But I'm telling you right now, if I would have had definitive knowledge, I would have laid on the ball. I would have not let them leave the field and say, no, this is what you're going to do. But I didn't have that knowledge. So we talk about those type of situations and how we handle those. And that's why we're here. Because I want to share that with you because I want you to think about if that happened to you. Now you're going to like, oh, Tim, ah, that's what I would do. But I want you to really think, like if you did not know, if you did not have that knowledge, 
would you have said so? Would you have gone in and stopped it, not let the team run on the field? Because now the winning team's already on the field. The field's up for grabs. You want to run in there? I mean, maybe. I'm telling you right now, if I would have had that definitive knowledge, I would have. I don't care how many people are on the field. So I want to throw it over. I want to throw it over to Mike real quick because I know, you know, it, it, there's been times where these type of things have happened. Mike, you get to work with a lot of different people and different rules, knowledge, and different that. Obviously, this situation, you don't necessarily have to comment on this situation specifically, but how do you handle situations like that? Because I know you had a kind of a, we showed it, we talked a lot about it, like a little bit of a melee with a bunch of guys you don't normally work with. So you've had to deal with stuff like this. How, how do you walk through that type of stuff? You know, it's, it's so difficult when you know that you've got partners and crewmates that are uncomfortable in their position because you have a tendency to take a peek over and see how they're doing, which takes you off of your game. Um, you know, the, the best thing you can do is try to work your position as best as you can. But we have to expect if we're out of position, we have to be the best back judge we can be that night. Even if we've never worked back judge before, we have to be a back judge that day. And we have to be proactive. Um, but, you know, honestly, I have caught myself in multiple situations like that taking a peek to see, hey, is the back judge actually on time with his play clock? I'm glancing up at the clock. I'm looking at the back judge. Or I'm looking at the line judges saying, is the line judge actually giving me a ruling on whether I've got a first down consistently? Um, you know, he's usually an umpire. He's not used to, you know, swing like first down. You know, um, it's it's uncomfortable. You know, with the shortages we have these days, it, it's bound to happen. But the last thing I want to do as a referee for example, is not be watching my tackle, not be watching my quarterback, because I'm looking down the field to make sure that I've got somebody covering the pass catch or incomplete down the field. So it, it's a super difficult position that it puts us in when other officials are demonstrat demonstratively not able to work a position when they're out of position. Well, and I don't disagree, but rules are rules, and it's, you expect officials to know a rule like that, regardless of what position they're in. I mean, that's just my would be my expectation. I see Robert typing over there, so I'm going to go to Robert here now. Robert, I'm sure there are people out there who've given some comments about things that have happened to them or something like that. But I'm just curious to hear what you have to, or what you think, and what you're hearing out there. Yeah, look, I'll begin with the viewers. Uh, viewers, thank you for sharing your comments, your thoughts. Um, their minds would have blown up too, Tim, quite frankly. Uh, but most viewers admit they've been in these type of situations where it's not adding up, right? Um, and there's confusion. The, the veteran officials, the experienced officials, you kind of have a sense of what you have, who, what kind of crew you have for any particular assignment, right? You kind of have a sense. You, you may have a sense you know, Monday before the assignment, or you may have a sense that when you show up, but either way, um, there come times where uniformly the members are saying you have to own your position. To Mike's point earlier, you have to own your position because veteran officials, experienced officials recognize when you start to reach and, and cover, you, that's not, that, that doesn't favor well for yourself and, and overall for the game despite the fact that you have challenging uh, crewmates with you on any particular assignment. So these are the kind of comments that I'm hearing from, from others. Um, I'm good. I'm glad. Yep. All right. 
Logistically, logistically, we all understand plays typically average about seven seconds. You're right, Tim, in your calculation of going back to the timeout, using those type of reference points, which will certainly help. Um, there was a question, Tim, you're going to know this real quick. What down was it uh, at the timeout, after the timeout? What down were you going to be playing? We, we were coming out, of, we came out of third down out of, a, out of a timeout. So we knew, we would have known what the time was at third down. At third and, down. And then this is going to be going to fourth down. So it would have been, actually it was, it was the interval between second and third down is when they took the timeout. Right, so, we so had, that, that's the We point. had a reference. Yeah, you did have a reference point. You had the timeout. Your the the next snap ball was going to be third down, and uh, and then you know the average time that it takes for that play on average, which you can calculate, Tim. We were all smart enough to come to that. Yeah. I know it's hard when you're in the heat of the moment, but that would have been a solution to this problem. And it's great that we talk about these situations because it it's not we're not going to have the same exact uh, dilemma, but we always come across some type of dilemma. And if we come right. back to a level-headed thinking, we can get through it together. And I and I know, and I'll finish this up. And I mean, I would handle this differently if it happened to me again. Um, you know, you don't think of some. I was in shock. I call it the fog of war. You know, you're in. There, I was in total shock that this was actually happening because I'm like, wait a minute. I'm expecting. It's called expectation bias. And my expectation was that there was going to be a timeout, and I thought I was missing something. And by the time it all materialized, it was too late. Everybody was out on the field. The officials already walking off. And then another official says, absolutely, I had 38 seconds. And it's like, what did I miss? I missed something. When somebody tells you that, it's hard to then step in and say, even, even if you're trying to use your common sense in that moment, because you don't have that definitive knowledge, it's really hard to. But I'm telling oh, you, go, go ahead, Robert. I, I, do, I do have... Um... You know, Larry, Larry Newberry's made a comment, which is a good, good comment. Is did you have any indicators earlier in the game, maybe the second quarter, about the the capacity of this back judge? Not real, not really. I mean, okay. the, everything seemed to be going somewhat normal in regards to the game. I mean, the game was not. It, it's just, it was an okay game. The, the players were a little bit testy, so it was a little bit. It was more being the, the traffic cop than anything, and we weren't, I mean, everything seemed to be normal. The Baxter didn't really have a lot to do, and this is like now he's got something to do, and this was important, and like I said, I was more in shock than anything. Like, I just, I think if I would have had any inclination that he was going to mess this up, I wouldn't have let it got, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have gotten that far, but I was expecting something that didn't happen. That's what got, that's what got me. Good. Okay. Uh, Dave Bender has another great point. I got to share that because these are golden nuggets. Dave's saying he's shocked in how many times he takes the field with experienced officials that unfortunately, you know, are, are not, you know, essentially um, strong officials. They might be experienced, but they're not experts, right? And we kind of default to the, to the experience in the veteran officials. But officials, viewers, if, if you know what is not does not smell right, it's in your DNA, and it needs to be corrected, then do what you can to correct it, despite that you don't have seniority, despite that you have veteran officials on your crew. Would you agree with that panel, Mike and, and, and Tim? Yeah, you, I you agree. Understand? I understand yeah. the question. Absolutely. And it, 
And it, it doesn't matter, you're right, if it's your first game or your thousandth game. If you, if you want to come in and say something, then come in and say something. You should. If you, have, if you know or if something doesn't seem right and you want to stop and just ask the question, now, you don't want to do that every other play, but this is big situations where you, you, you know that something's not right. And, you know, this is what was an unfortunate situation. I knew something wasn't right, but I didn't have the, I didn't have the knowledge or the, the, the quickness to think, well, I'll go back to the timeout or do this at, at that particular moment because it was more like shock, like, holy crap, I can't believe this is happening. But to Dave's point, to the point out there, absolutely doesn't matter how many games you've worked because you might have that golden, you might have that like crew saver thing that might go, oh yeah, to that veteran official. And it's happened to me already. Rule changes. Rule changes are a huge thing that veteran officials screw up because they're so used to working. It happened in the same game. Referee's been refereeing for 30 years. He calls, get this, he calls an illegal formation because um, he said that there were only 10 offensive players in the game and there were four players in the backfield so they're only so there had to only be six on the line and I go no I go that might have been a case but they changed the rule <laughs> you know they changed that rule and he's like oh they did I go yeah pick it up but see that's where uh, that's where a new official I mean a veteran but I mean where a new official might know that I mean yeah true uh, one last man they're, they're just keep flooding I know we got to move on but this is this is another great question the question is this can we use and i know more states do this than us the clock operator to help us in these situations tim like the one you have you know what that's a great question i'm still waiting to talk to the clock operator because where i'm working now the clock operator is an official and he has a radio so in this point it would have been best if the if that clock operator would have gotten on and said something on the radio i'm not gonna i'm not gonna totally throw him under the bus because it's it was a lot going on and he might have been in shock too but yes we i sh that was the other hindsight thing was like i should have got on the radio and said when did that for play end and he might have had that knowledge but the radio was silent at the time that it, it needed to not be silent so these are all good things and, and these are just things that happen to us we learn from them you know it's like we don't we don't want them to happen but they do i'm going to give i see robert typing so maybe there is another comment but i'm gonna ask i'm bring mike back in real quick so mike any last things of what robert had to say you want to add oh you know i i we just had this discussion with our new officials because i run a new officials program um and letting them know this could be your first ever time on the field um, but when you see something that you think is wrong you run in there and you provide that information don't wait until halftime don't wait until three plays later um, during a dead ball period, we had a situation that we that brought came up in the meeting about um, what to do with an injured player in terms of uh, the play clock. And our, our new official had the information and um, the veteran officials on the field did not. So it's something you may recognize new, new rules this this year. And I think last year as well, going to a 40 second play clock with injuries on the defense, um, the new official knew. So, you know, bring that information to the crew if you have it, because um, the last place you want to hear is at halftime or after the game that we got it wrong. Yeah, I tell my crew, don't tell me. Don't tell me after the game we screwed it up. If you, were gonna, if you didn't want to tell me on the field that we screwed it up. All right, Robert, any last minute things? We're going to move on here. It, it's, it, it, just, it just doesn't end. There, there are so many comments on this. It's, it's crazy. 
there's a great comment where some experienced members are saying when they know they have a real strong chain crew and, and, and they have a good dialogue with their chain crew, they actually engage the chain crew to help them in situations like this, which I found to be fantastic. Because, yeah, if if you have a resource, I mean, I remember going to a stat man on a sideline before uh, to help us with the down and distance when we had, you know, the the, the sticks moving and, and, and uh, we didn't know exactly where we needed to have the ball placed for the next down. You, if you have a resource, leverage the resource is the takeaway. Well, and we talk about this. Lamonde is mentioning about empowering your chain crew because that's you're absolutely correct on that. And this is the last thing. This is the last thing I'm going to say on this, and then we're going to go. We're going to go to the video because we got a couple. Well, we're only going to get through maybe one of these plays, but um, have if you have that knowledge, if you're able to to think and utilize those resources, whatever they may be, the clock, the chains you know uh, you know have the courage have the courage to reset the game if that's what is required like i said i was in shock because i was exp i had expectation bias which i was expecting something to happen that didn't happen and i was like i thought i missed something because it was so like unreal to me like what's going on here and the team the offensive team had already taken the, the winning team had already taken the field, jumping, Gatorade pass, whatever it might be. You know, you got to have the courage sometimes to say, to, to stop that. If you know, I didn't know. That was one of the things. If I knew, I wouldn't have cared how many Gatorade pass there would have been. We would have reset that thing. We would have gone, uh, we would have gone right with that. So thank you for taking the time and, and commenting and letting me know what you thought about this because, like I said, this was a, th this is an example of something, game situations. And if you start to have these type of game situations and you're comfortable sharing them, let us know during the week because we'd love to talk about them on our meetings because we can all be better. I'm going to be better because this happened to me and hopefully you will too. All right, let's move on to our video play. All right, so I'm gonna set this play up here real quick. I'm gonna take the text line down just so we can see the whole thing. This is an important thing that, uh, that I'm noticing now that I think sometimes we have to be aware of. So this is a play I, I found. Now you can see it's second down and it's doubles. So you've got, you got it's second and, and long. So you can see that the, the, the first stake right here is at, is at the 48. Looks like the line of scrimmage is at the 43. And the only reason is that I, I mentioned this is because when, we, when we're looking at plays like this, we also have to have our football IQ up. We have to know the down and distance because we have to ask ourselves, what are we most likely to see? And for those of you who played football, you're thinking pass, screen, draw, pass, screen, draw, pass, screen, draw. In a situation like this, that's what you're probably thinking. Um, that's what I would be thinking if I was on this game. So we know it's second and long. We see the team come out. And they get in, in, our, in a trips formation to the bottom of the screen. So we have to check the formation. We can see you got this receiver and this receiver are both pointing in the backfield. This receiver looks to be on the line. This receiver looks to be on the line. And then you've got your two back here. So looks like we're good on our formation. So now we, to we have to think about ourselves in a five-person. Who's looking where? Well, we talk about keys and priorities, and we talk about competitive matchups. Any competitive matchups here? No. So basically what's going to happen is we're going to go, it doesn't matter what our key and priority is, we're probably going to go right to zone on this play 
because nobody's got the competitive matchup. We don't have to officiate anything directly off the snap in regards to contact. All right, so now the snap goes. Now, well, we're going to read the play a little bit. You can see you've got receivers running out, but then all of a sudden, if you're the L or, you know, if you switch at halftime, whatever, I don't know if it's the first half or second half, you're the official down at the bottom, you see this player come back, you're probably thinking, all right, I've got, I've got this player coming back, this is going to be a little bit different. This is going to be maybe a screen or something. So here we go. Watch the player. He comes back. Now let's see where he catches the ball. So he catches the ball right about here. I'd, I'd say maybe about the 44-ish just to kind of, kind of take a look. So we have, we have a lineman here. We've got a lineman there. So we have to ask ourselves, do we have an eligibles downfield? Or is this OPI possibly? Because we, we know that the offensive line can go two yards beyond the expanded neutral zone. Or two yards, the expanded neutral zone is two yards from the line of scrimmage, I should say. So looking at when he throws the ball, you have to ask yourself, where is our linemen when they throw the ball. The ball is airborne right now. So our linemen are right here because there's the ball. The ball is airborne. So now what can our, our linemen do? What can they do? We have to continue. Now we still can't have contact before the ball is in the air. All right. So, so we've got this. Our linemen are legal. We know our linemen are legal, but we have other contact that we have to look at. We talked about earlier, you know, not officiating or error because there's nothing at the beginning of the snap. But watch our watch our uh, receivers. What do they do? This receiver right here. What is he doing? Looks like he might be blocking. So he is he throw a block while the ball is still in the air. Is that enough right there? Is that a block? So now that's, that's, the, that's the question is we know our linemen are legal, but if that's a block, that's OPI, right? That's going to be an OPI because the ball's still in the air and the offensive team has thrown a block. But you have to, once again, we're walking through it and wondering when does the block occur? When does, so if the contact's now, if you're saying that that's the block, the ball's right there. So the ball hasn't arrived yet. Now is it bang, bang? Bang, bangers we usually let go? I don't know. There seems to be some distance there between the ball. All right, so that's the play. My question now becomes, if you have this as illegal downfield, which we hopefully you don't, OPI or nothing, or maybe you say, Tim, it's close enough for me where he catches the ball, I'm going to put him at the line of scrimmage. I don't know. That might be a stretch because here's your line of scrimmage right here. So, I mean, that might be a stretch, but that might be your judgment as well. But who's going to be, who's going to be looking at all this stuff? And that's the thing is we talk about judgment here all the time. And I, threw, I just threw a bunch of stuff at you. This is a very complex play. And I threw a bunch at you to get your brain all messed up. And you're like, why would you do that, Tim? Why would you get my brain all messed up? It's because now I'm going to peel back the layers and we're going to talk about how to cover a play like this. 
and, and how um, we can come to a conclusion one way or the other. So going back to the beginning of the play, we know what our keys and priorities are. Like I said, we got nothing. All right, so now, once if you're the line of scrimmage official down here and you're reading this, you better not be flowing. You better be holding the line, okay? You also better be looking at, I, you, I'm not necessarily worried about this because that should be my referee. My referee should be concentrating here because I have trips. And my referee should have recognized it at the beginning of the play that he's not going to get any, he or she's not going to get any help from me on blocking with the tackle because I'm going to have pass coverage in a five person, okay? My back judge coming across the top, I'm thinking based off of what he's seeing, he's probably going to focus in on this area because going over, going over here, I don't know if that's, if that's useful or not because there's only one receiver over there and hopefully this person is taking a look at that. You see our umpire moving up and hopefully our umpire has got the blocking here based off of our, our mechanics, our five person. So if I'm looking at that and now I'm holding the line, now the ball's in the air. So if I'm this official, I don't care about that anymore. I'm holding the line, I'm coming back here and I'm looking at this because I've got backside, I got nothing else. I'm seeing where those guys were when the ball went in the air, clearly legal. Clearly legal, okay? So now, if I'm this official down here at the bottom, I don't need to watch a guy catch the ball. I need to be going here, but I also need to know where the ball is caught. I need to make the judgment right now if that's over the line of scrimmage and know that I've got potential blocking down here. Our back judge, all the back judge has is this right here. So really, in the end, if... RL doesn't get to this block because he's looking at the line of scrimmage. Our back judge does, but he doesn't know if the ball has crossed the line of scrimmage. That becomes, that becomes our dilemma. If you're the back judge, do you throw on this? What do you do? What do you do? I'm going to go to Robert. I'm going to bring Robert in on this one because this is, a, this is a good one for Robert. Because, Robert, you're the back judge, and that's a tight play and you see a block, and you see a pass, and you know it's close, what are you doing? Yeah, thank you for asking. This is, this is in my wheelhouse, man. I'm, I, love, I love this. Okay, so I'm gonna start with just sharing what's going on in my mind. And I'll tell you this, before I even take a field on the varsity game, I look to see what offenses each team operates. I know what teams run these type of plays before I even take the field. That gives me an advantage because by anticipating these type of plays, now you're factoring in on possibilities. You're not looking for it, but you understand that that's a possibility. This play is so easy to officiate as a back judge because there's no one pressed. So you have wide eyes and you have an opportunity and high school quarterbacks to see what direction he's going to throw. He clearly is going to throw right. He's got three receivers. He looks a quick left, but he's throwing right. So my focus is truly not on the ball once I know that the passer is going right. Now when you look at the receivers and you already have knowledge from video review of these type of bubble screens, whatever you want to call them, you have awareness of whether or not that block that's being occurred is legal or not legal. This particular case, it's tight. 
is is did the ball arrive um and did the block occur very close in timing i would say yes especially if it's live full speed and i would talk to that coach and let the coach understand that that 80 whenever the number that player is who's making that potential illegal block for an opi would be flagged if that ball's beyond the line of scrimmage and i'll let my wings know that i just warned the coach where i would communicate to the wings so they can communicate to the coach but we would be on the same page that we got this under control tonight we do coach has been informed players been informed we've seen it already we may have let that one go, but this is how we're calling it. Because that particular play, Tim, in all sincerity, if it's first quarter, first situation, it's tight. I might, I may let that go. But if I see that occur multiple times, I may throw my flag. And I have, I have no problem if my wing tells me to pick it up because the ball did not uh, pass the line of scrimmage. I have no problem with that. But, boy, that looks good as a crew, and you feel great knowing, yeah, we worked hard tonight. We were aware of that play situation, and we made our best judgment as humanly best as we could for tonight. And so that's what I had to say. Okay. Well, I mean, it's important that you, you know you talk about how we're going to communicate that. I mean, a lot you, know, you got the O2s. You can communicate over, back, whatever this or that. And, but to, to get together and pass, if you're going to pass on this because you thought it was was pretty tight. But the point is, is that this screen, this is supposed to be illegal. This is supposed. To, the design of this play is for that receiver to catch it at the line of scrimmage not beyond the line of scrimmage. So you have to be careful about that. You have to be aware of that if you are a wing official, if you're a flank official, whatever. You have to be aware that that is a possibility. And they like to run these right razor, razor thin a lot of times in regards to their legality because they're trying to gain an advantage. So be careful you know, about, you know, Robert says he's going to do it. That's how his philosophy, fine. On this play, that's what he's going to do. So, Mike, you know, talking about the philosophy, you see the play, and I know it's first time, blah, blah, blah. What, I mean, do you agree with Robert? Or are you going to, is this a talk to to you if you're working a line of scrimmage? I mean, is this, would you call on this? How would you have handled this? You know, that, that looks like it's well beyond. Um, this is one of the reasons that I do um, like the Bill Lamagne best practices video asking the short wings to hold. Um, umpires is a hard, you know, on a five-man crew are supposed to have the line of scrimmage, but screen plays, they almost never can because they're, they often are reading run. So they're not going to recognize this. You know, if the short wing can see this, you know, if you want to execute this play, you want to execute it to correctly. It's, I mean, I, if that ball drifts a whole yard beyond, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to tell that back judge who throws the OPI or deep wing who throws that OPI to pick up that flag, you know, we're, we're going to go with OPI, you know, they, they need to execute that better. I don't, you know, honestly, that, that receiver and that quarterback executed this play poorly. So, you know, I, I don't let them off the hook for this. If it's, if it's, if the body is near the, it's beyond the line, but the hands touch at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, sure. But he's, everything is beyond the body's beyond the hands are beyond the balls beyond um, I don't think there's wiggle room on this one myself. Well, and that's good because you're right. If, it, if they catch the ball, and even though their body is, if the ball hasn't crossed, then we can kind of tweak that and say it's good. I, I tend my. I'm going to go back to Robert because I want to hear the viewers, and then we're going to move on to our play of the week and call it a night. But my personal opinion on this is this: have knowledge. 
and I'm not trying to be wishy-washy on it, okay? Because I can understand Robert's point, I understand Mike's point. If you know the call, you make the call. If you're the, if you're the line of scrimmage official, and you're right on the line, and you see it's over, and you saw the block, and you know the block occurred prior to the ball being touched, it, it's, it's OPI, or you see the, the back just throw their flag in, I kind of agree with, with Mike to that point where I'm like, I don't think I'm going to tell the back judge to pick that up. He's, we're going to go with it. But go to Robert's point where Robert doesn't throw on it, that, and I'm the line of scrimmage official, and I said he was over, and I didn't have definitive knowledge exactly when the block occurred. Then I, but Robert comes in and says, hey, I think that block happened, that block happened before the ball did a ball cross the line. It was really close. In fact, it was a yard over. And if Robert says, we're going we're gonna to stay with it, we're going to just gonna stay with it. I'm going to go and talk to the coach so they don't run it again because it's Robert's, at that point, it's Robert's call but it, it, because I didn't see it. But if I'm working the line and I see the block and I see the pass, and I've, I'm probably thrown on this. On this play specifically, if I am on the line of scrimmage and I know the ball is caught a yard beyond and I saw the block, I'm probably throwing. So I can see it kind of kind of both ways on this and you know kind of looking at it from from the different angles. Robert, tell me what people out there in uh, in Viewerland are saying. Make it be there. Just make it <laughs> just make it make it be there. Make it make it show up on video and and know that you are passing on something. It's it's not a cheap shot. It's a situation where hey, we're human. We're going to we're going to become better officials on this. If you throw, you be 100%. Make it be there. And if you choose not yeah. to throw it, write it on your game card, re record right. the play, and look at it. You know, exactly. we're going to get better. Exactly. If you, like I said, if you decided to not throw on it, but you saw it and you knew why you didn't throw on it. It's the, see, we don't guess. That's the problem is, is that sometimes we're guessing. We miss something because we're lucky or we call something because we're lucky. No, we wanted to make it be there and we want to know why we didn't call it. And if we've got knowledge, like you said, Robert, if you, if you passed on us as a back judge and I was your line judge and I came up and said, Robert, that was a yard over. Well, let's, you know, it was close. It was real close. Bang, bang. Let's move on. Let's talk. It's not going to happen again. Fine. Then that's fine. That's what we're going to do moving forward. But at least we saw it and had that conversation. We're not just like out there like. <laughs> so I think your point is excellent. Any other points, though? No, but I, I am going to share. I am going to share one last thing from I, when we went to the Denver, Denver Summit for the, Na, the NAS NASL yeah, NASL, Summit. Right. Yeah, uh, there, there was a, a veteran NFL official and he was going to work the hall of fame game later that week on thursday so this was like a, a monday he was going to be working the hall of fame thursday and he said robert you know do you know why i'm really excited about thursday and the guys i'm working with is everyone on the field may not be perfect but we're going to know what we miss we're going right. to know it and exactly. i was like god that, that that says everything you know we we don't need to be a hundred percent perfect because we're not going to be a hundred percent perfect. But if we have knowledge and awareness that we're not perfect and we're doing our best, you know, we're, we're, we're way ahead of the average, man. Absolutely. Good advice. All right. So we're going to, we're going to move on to our, our play of the week for, for this week. So, so now it's time for mmbtonline.com play of the week. Looking forward to seeing this one. This is a doozy. See, there's Robert. <laughs> this one is a doozy. All right, let's go to this one. We're going to go wide on it. I want you to, I'm going to pull the text line down so you can see this in its full entirety. All right, here we go. Here's the play. You can see it looks like a field goal formation of some sort. Oh, look at that, the holder. He takes the, oh, what's the holder doing? 
hmm, and now it's a fake and they throw it in there. So here you go. Here's the holder. Look at the holder. He's picking it up the tee and he's, he's doing this. And now it was a, it was a jump throw and we've got a two point or you know, whatever touchdown, whatever down it was. Okay, so now here is, here's what we got. Play of the week. I need to know. This will be on Twitter. Motion. Was this legal motion or was this illegal motion? <laughs> I want to know if you thought that this was, and I know there's going to be other comments on it, but just let's just start out with the pure simple question. Is this motion legal or illegal? And we will talk about this one next week. All right, I want to thank everybody for being here, for joining us. It's always a pleasure. It's always a lot of fun. I appreciate Mike Billica for being here. Mike, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for showing me that play. It gave me a chuckle. It's nice. <laughs> it was really great to be here. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, wish you nothing but the best this week on your games. And Mr. Robert Yabara, thank you for being here as well. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, I want to thank the viewers for bringing us nuggets and sharing their uh, thoughts and comments. I, I must admit, we were we were just inundated with commentary, and that's that's what we want. Excellent job, viewers. Thank you. Absolutely, we like the feedback back and forth. That's why we do these live ones. You know, a lot of people watch it recorded, but the live gets you that direct interaction. So appreciate that. So thank you everybody who uh, who joined us, who was here tonight. Really appreciate it. Um, like I said, we, we have fun doing this. We look forward to doing it. We're all going to be better because of it. We're making the game better because of you. And thank you for your participation. I'm Tim Kiefer from MyBTownLine.com. We'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Good night, everyone.